0: It's Gardening Talk back on 2 fam. Now, Scott, you've got a couple of plants here for us today, and one of them you can eat as well. Yes,
1: you can eat the fruit off it. It's called Monsteria Deliciosa. It's
0: actually... It's yeah. <laughs> Deliciosa? <laughs>
1: yes, um, it must be quite tasty, I should imagine. Uh-huh. I, I did have it. I have eaten it back in the, in the 70s. Yep. Uh, my auntie had one right up the back of her place uh, over in Waratah. Okay. And are uh, you? Yeah, we used to. Eat, good? Yeah. Look, it's 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 odd. It's sort of uh, it's very very sweet. It's a bit yeah. like durian, uh, and you have to wait till the the sort of these scales of the the funny looking fruit peel off it, and uh, then you can eat it. Yeah. So it's very sweet. It's it's quite you know it's not bad, uh, but it's it's had a bit of a resurgence as most things of the seventies are having a okay, so moment. Okay, it's come back into fashion. It's come back into fashion, just like my wardrobe will. Uh, well, I Thankfully, <laughs> you don't wear flares when you come into your place. <laughs> That's the uh, safari suit that uh, I'll be wearing next week. that will probably get you. Okay, well, you've got corduroy coming up for winter as well. So Yeah, it'll yeah, all, we'll all be nice and warm. <laughs> so, look, uh, look this Monsteria deliciosa, uh, a good indoor plant. It's actually uh, native to the tropical rainforests of, south, uh, of southern Mexico. Right. Never been there, but um, I'm sure it's a lovely place. I didn't know there were rainforests in Mexico, so we're learning all the time here. Uh, look, what's happened though is, of course, as most plants, uh, you know, they've been transported around the world. It's become mildly invasive in Hawaii and some of the other uh, islands in the Pacific. Uh, but here in Australia, it makes, uh, you know, again, like I said, a very, very good house plant. Big leaves that sort of have holes through them. So um, some people call it Swiss cheese plant.
0: Right. Yeah, because yeah. it's
1: got the holes in it. Yeah, yeah. and when you oil them up, uh, you know they'll climb up a totem. Uh, you know, you put a stick in in your pot. That's I call them a totem. Totem. Yeah. I, I know we had this discussion a couple of weeks ago. What is the stick? The stick. Yeah. When you put the stick in the pot, the plant will climb up, and you'll see you will get this sort of lush, uh, sort of rainforest uh, look. Uh, you know, in the corner of your house.
0: Okay. Yeah, well,
1: well lit. Uh, don't overwater. Um, look, I, I guess, uh, you know, because they're that rainforest type of plant, they like nice warm conditions. So, obviously, you wouldn't go and stick it outside in the middle of winter on the veranda or anything like that. Just keep it in, you know, behind a window so it gets that uh, that sort of radiant heat. Uh, and, yeah, look, if uh, you've got a place that's a bit frost tender, it's not going to grow for you. Uh, The fruit, yep, you wait till it um, sort of uh, ripens. It's like a big piece of green corn, I guess. Okay. Yeah, and then then the outside sort of shell or kernels sort of split off, bit alien sort of like, and the fruit is inside. It's really nice and soft and pulpy. But I think it gives you a sort of Uh tum-tum if you try
0: and eat it and it's not uh, ripe. Oh, there you go. So just a word of warning. Yeah. But it sounds like a fairly easy plant to look after as well.
1: It is. Look, we've actually got one at work, which just grows and rambles around some lattice and uh, this old sort of um, laundry that's uh, next door, and it, we don't do anything to it occasionally. We've cut pieces, bits and pieces off and given to people. Um, yeah,
0: so it's uh, quite an easy plant to look after. Oh, very good. Scott Sharp, a quick question for you, though. Yes, Can go fire away, curry, like a cannon. Curry leaves. Yes. Can you grow them just by cutting off a branch and just using the, the branches?
1: Oh, look, I, I guess you could. You wouldn't do the whole branch. You'd probably take the cutting from further up, on the plant, just yep. where it's starting to go green and starting to—it's green and it's starting to turn a little bit hard, a little bit brown. Okay, uh, where the bark's starting to form—that's where you, t- you know, typically take most cuttings from. Uh, so you're talking about the curry leaf. We actually use the leaves. Yeah, yeah, because there's a couple of curry plants. There's like a finer one with the grey foliage, and then there's a, a much larger one, um, which I think is typically used in Indian cuisine. It's actually a type of maria. Oh. Yeah, morayas are a hedging plant that people use around the place, but you can't use that one. For your curry, right? But certainly this moray, you certainly can. It's very, very uh, sort of uh, scented when you when you rub the leaves on it. Uh, it's actually a uh, native to India and, and Sri Lanka. Strangely enough, that's I guess obviously. that's where obviously <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be a native to you know Belgium or somewhere mm. like that. They haven't got a very big curry. Or uh, Russia, perhaps. Or Russia, yeah. Uh, but look, it is uh, it, once it gets going, it's an easy plant to grow. Okay. Uh, so you probably use some cutting powder, some rooting powder, yep. and dip it in there, and then get you know take multiple cuttings in case you have failures, and uh, get it into a nice propagation mix, and uh, see how you go with that. Uh, look, typically when we get them, uh, they've uh, we know some people who have actually grown them, and they come from seed. So we just get little seedlings of them. And we actually cultivate them ourselves because they've been very, very difficult to come by recently, and uh, very expensive as well. Oh, yeah, right. I don't know because they're such a you know an easy plant to look after, and it's actually quite an attractive uh, sort of medium go- growing shrub as well. Yep. If you uh, you know you just wanted to uh, you know something in your garden, they get to about four to eight meters tall. Uh, You know, and they've sort of got a nice little trunk on them, and then they open up at the top. So if you've got a bit of space in your garden, mate, and uh, you feel like, uh, you know, whipping up a couple of Vindaloos,
0: go for it. I might try that. Yeah, Yeah. because I... I think, yeah, I got offered yeah, some leaves the other day. Right, okay. And I thought if I could take a, a whole branch as well.
1: Yes, yes. Well, you take the branch. You'd have to do it pretty soon, but you, then you, once you've got that branch, you take some of the smaller, uh, you know, the ends and uh, get those in the propagation mix with the cutting powder and, and water away. And uh, don't disturb them, though, once you've got them in those pots for some time. Oh, okay. Just... Usually about six months until or until you see the roots actually starting to come down through the holes in the bottom of the pot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, I was going to say, how am I supposed to see the roots coming? Yeah. But. <laughs> there are holes in there. The other way you can do it is you can just get, you know, if you think it might be rooting in there for you, because uh, you've got nice growth coming on the plant, you can just tip yep. the pot upside down and, and sort of take the pot off and hopefully it'll stay in the nice shape like yep. a sandcastle. Hopefully. Yep, hopefully. And if you see some roots in there, you can put the pot back over and you know, plop it down and you know, either wait or uh, plant it in the ground then if you oh, want to. Happy yeah. days. Yeah, happy days. You can grow them in a pot as well, mate. Um, you know, they don't have to be in the ground.
0: Oh. And we've got Joan from and She's got a question about Eucharists.
1: Hey, Joan. How can we help you today?
2: Look, I've had a Eucharist lily for a number of years. It's never flowered. Yes. It's in, an enclo- in a pot in an enclosed area which gets the morning sun.
1: Perfect, perfect.
2: And it's full of leaves, and all new leaves have all just come up, but I just wonder how... Do they flower what? were they hard
1: to flower or what? No, no, look, they're not hard to flower. They, they've finished flowering now for the year as it starts to uh, cool off a bit. They're actually uh, native to uh, Central, America, uh, Central America and uh, South America uh, in around that Guatemala, Bolivia sort of area. So they are a really nice little plant, uh, and they are easy to look after. Um, so Are you actually fertilizing at, at all, Joan? Well,
2: what I have been doing, I didn't know whether it was right or wrong, is using a liquid fertiliser about every fortnight.
1: Yeah, which liquid fertiliser have you been using, Joan? Um Oh, the most common. What do you call it? Aquasole <laughs>
2: <Okay, laughs> or something. What, what, that, you know, the one you get in a bottle
1: and just mix it up with water. Okay, so look, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the plant to flower and to do that you need to start to build up the potash in the soil. So using the uh, the liquid fertiliser is fantastic for that because it should have potash in it. Uh, it might be worth getting, uh, you know, an organic fertiliser like one of those pelletized ones and uh, just sprinkling that in around the uh, the top of the plant as well. But also getting some sulphate of potash and uh, mixing that up and giving that a water into the plant every, uh, you know, two or three weeks as well. And that should start to build that potash up as in the well soil. As well as the liquid fertiliser? Yeah, that as well as the liquid, that'll be fine.
2: Okay, then. All right, then. Okay, Go
1: but here, look, look Jane, it sounds like you've got it in the in the perfect spot. And, uh, yeah, it's, they do like that, uh, you know, that semi-shady sort of spot, and that'll get them to flower there. Well, I've had
2: it all, in all sorts of places, and this is where it seems to be doing the best.
1: Well, definitely. But I'm waiting and
2: waiting and seeing. Oh, I've had it for, I don't know how long, years I've had it.
1: Yeah, and that, look, That's they are fair. just one of those plants that just seem to keep on going. I, it's, um, I think it must flower at a certain time. Is that why it's, it's got something to do with the Eucharist? Is that...
2: Probably, probably probably around Christmas time or something, you know, later late in the year probably.
1: Yeah, I think it's got something to do with the flowering time of it.
0: So, yeah, okay, yeah. thanks for that, Jane.
2: Okay, thank you very much. Okay. okay, bye. Appreciate it,
0: bye-bye. And we've got Wayne from Cessnock. Now we need some advice about ants seem to be attacking these capsicum and chilies. How can we help you with them, Wayne?
3: Yes, uh, g'day there, Scott, how are you? Very well, mate. That's good. Yeah, look, I've just noticed uh, well, from Cessna, we've had a lot of rains here at the moment, and um, the yard's very, very sloshy, so I'm, I'm thinking these little black ants, they're, they're trying to get up out of the wet, and uh, I've got a, a wonderful chilli chili bush or tree. It's about five and a half foot, just bursting with flour and chilies, and um, the ants are all inside there. When you go to pick... They get all over you, and plus the little capsicum bushes I've got growing at the moment. These ants all hanging around in those as well. What can you use? Is there something, a natural um, fertiliser or a herbicide or something, or white oil or something like that?
1: Yeah, Yes, mate. Uh, look... Uh... The ants are look. They probably are coming up uh, because of the you know the wet we're having. You know their house, yeah. little homes are probably flooded. All their you know their photos are getting wrecked, and their beddings all soggy. So that's probably why they're coming up into your capsicum. But the other thing to check out as well is to make sure that you know you haven't got any scale on the plant because uh, ants often come up to feed off uh, scale, and scale's a little insect that uh, you know exudes a residue that the ants love, and they'll come up and feed off that. So that could be well, the other reason that they're that they're uh, on your capsicum. And check out, that just looks like a little sort of spot, sort of white lumps yep. or brown lumps on the plant. So have a quick squeeze to make sure that's not the case. But uh, look, otherwise, to get rid of uh, your ants and you want to do it with a natural uh, uh, sort of uh, insecticide, you can use pyrethrum and that will get rid of the ants. You can just spray that all over the, uh, the chilli plant and it won't harm it at all. It'll just get rid of the ants for you. And you can get those uh, ant dusts as well if you need to, and you can just put those in around the soil or in around the pots that you've got, and that would, uh, that would also keep the ants away for you.
3: All right, then. That, that'll work for chili as
1: well? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mate. Look, there, right, there are uh, you know, other sort of harsher chemicals you can use, but uh, if you're using them around edible plants, I'd probably just stick with that pyrethrum and try and get rid of them that way.
3: Yeah, right. And what what about with gardenias? Is it the same? I'm noticing that they're all checked for scale in the gardenias as well.
1: Yes, most definitely, mate. Gardenias, uh, you know, that's probably the one thing they will get, uh, a bit of scale on them, especially when it's warm and humid, uh, you know, like it has been. Uh, and, and moist, so I'd be definitely checking for the uh, the scale on the gardenias. And uh, again, if you if you have got scale, then you need to use a product called anti-scale, which is a mixture of white oil and malathion, or you can use uh, eco oil as well. And uh, the other thing to be careful with is if you start having these ants coming up from the soil, they'll often bring fungal spores up on their itty bitty little feet, and uh, <laughs> then you get that sort of black all over the plant, and the plant gets very very sick quickly. And so you need to use a fungicide to keep that under control. So, uh, look, mate, I'd be definitely having a, a squeeze around and see if there's any yeah. scale on your plants.
3: I'll get on to that. All right, Scott, that you've answered my question. Thank you very, very okay. much.
1: You have a good afternoon, okay. Wayne.
3: Yeah. Okay, bye-bye.
1: Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. I don't think uh, ants would like chillies. Oh, well, I mean, they could be um, Indian ants, like we are talking about. They could be all over your curry plant. Oh, okay. And, yeah. Look, I, I think they'll just go and feed off any sort of pollen if the, if the chili's yep. flowering. Uh, but like I said, if there's scale on there, that's usually a good reason uh, for the ants to be up there. And if they have been driven out of their little homes, their little ant homes, they've been... Look, been washed out. Been washed out. Yes. Um, you know the sandbags haven't worked for them, and <laughs> they've taken the queen to higher ground. Uh, you know that—that's another reason why they might be up in pots and
0: things like that, just trying to, uh, trying oh, okay. to find somewhere to hide. Very good. We've got uh, Peter now from Coal Point, and he's got a question about azaleas. How can we help you with your azaleas, Peter?
4: Um, I've got um, my, my leaves aren't nice and green as they should be. They're a goldy colour and a sort
2: of motley mm. colour.
1: Ah, uh, okay. So, look, that sounds pretty clearly like you've got uh, you know red spider mite or azalea lace bug on there. It's oh. know, probably the one thing that azaleas will get, uh, and it gives you that sort of silvery, motley gold sort of look that you're describing. Yep. Now, mate, unfortunately, uh, once the leaves are damaged like that, they're not going to sort of regreen and come good again unless you're going to get some spray paint and you know. A touch up. You give them a bit of a touch up. Uh, so what you're really going to be doing now is to be spraying to try and protect any new foliage and get rid of any eggs and uh, those insects out of your garden. Uh, so you need to use a product called insect and mite killer or a type. Of, it's a type of miticide. Insect and mite killer. Yeah, you can also use Confidor for the azalea lace bug as well. So that's another one you can be using. Yeah. Look, and and, and uh, look, they do sort of not that they come hand in hand, but uh, the the uh, damage that they do is very very similar. If you turn the leaf over, often you'll find sort of black spots, and that's actually the excrement of the azalea lace bug that's sitting in under there, and that's that's when you know that it's azalea lace bug, and you can use the confidor. But um, look, if you're not finding that, it's probably going to be that uh, that red spider all over the plant, and then you have to use insect and mite killer.
4: Right. So give them a uh, a light prune f- first, and then spray.
1: Spray the whole plant? Yeah, look, you, you might as well because, you know, as I said, that, that uh, growth is not going to come good. Uh, if yep. you're going to do it, do it soon so you get some growth before winter. Yep. And, uh, you know, once you've had some new growth on there and it's started to harden up a little bit, you could give it another spray then just as a preventative. Right on. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Thanks, Scott. Not a problem. Thanks okay. very much. See you, Bye. Peter. Bye-bye.
0: Cheers, Peter. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 FM. If you've got any questions, you can give us a call on four nine two one six two one six. And we've got Bruce from Killarney Vale. And he seems, there's something, he seems to be eating everything in his garden. Ooh. It's a bit of a mystery. It could be it could be Greg. <laughs> <laughs> How can we help you with it, Bruce?
5: Yes, good afternoon, Scott. Yes, it's, uh, I thought it looked, it was just like leaves. I haven't got a big patch area of, of, of growing, but uh, I've got a lot of it under net, mm-hmm. uh, fine, fine net that I've got from Bunnings. So I didn't think it was creepy crawlies, but... On a closer inspection of the, uh, some rainbow spinach or rainbow root they've got there and also some beetroot and some sorrel. The leaves have got holes in them, but the holes are not clear, fully developed holes. They're, um, looks like something has eaten the colour out of it and it's a little clear window. It's just clear tissue that's left there.
1: Uh, okay, now look. Caterpillars can often do that. They can be on the underside of the leaves, and they'll just sort of chomp away at you know one, uh, you know, layer of the of the membrane, the leaf membrane. So yeah, that, that could and be, yeah. and they can just be young ones as well. So they haven't got sort of you know big ferocious fangs that are going to go right through the leaf yet. Uh, yeah. So look, because they're uh, edible vegetables, uh, you probably can only use pyrethrum on there. Uh it's um it's a na- it's a natural uh insecticide. So yeah. I'd be giving that a yeah. spray now. Mate, are you uh doing anything to keep the snails under control as well? Yeah, no
5: there's no snails in there.
1: Okay, because I've I've just noticed at home, I've got some uh, arum lilies at home and uh, they're just sort of coming out again. And the tiniest little baby, I mean, they're very cute little baby snails, but unfortunately they're doing a lot of damage. Uh, So, mate, they can be in there and they can be doing damage as well. And they haven't, you know, sort of uh, formed into that full scale escargot that you're probably going to stick up on the plate, uh, you know, during French week or something like that. Um, So, you can be those little baby snails. So, make sure you're using some snail bait as well. But I'd yeah. grab some of that pyrethrum and give it a good spray around. And that should get rid of any, uh, you know, or well, most insects that are, uh, you know, except for, you know, sap sucking insects that are there in your, uh, in your vegetable patch.
5: Yeah, I, I thought it might have been a nematode that that was in there and getting up through into the leaf. Yeah, yeah, no,
1: well, no. Look, nematodes—they actually operate down in the soil and they attach themselves. They're like a, a parasitic worm and they attach themselves yeah. to the root system yeah. of of uh, plants. And look, usually that's with uh, tomatoes uh, and potatoes and things like that. So that—that's yeah. when you and you that manifests itself. Uh, you know, the plant just doesn't look healthy, it starts to wilt because those nematodes are all over destroying the root system of the plant. So look, it's it's probably not those. It is just going to be something that's moving around, um, you know, that's, yeah, you know, that's been
5: close to under. I had a close look under all the leaves, but I haven't seen any creepy crawlies there. This is why I was thinking it might have been a nematode, you know. Yeah,
1: look, it, it, it won't be nematodes. But what the, what those little caterpillars and things do is during the day, they go back down into the crevice of, like if you've got um, silverbeet, they'll go right down into the crevice of the plant and hide away down yeah. in there and then come back, come back up in the evening and uh, have yeah. a bit of a feast. And then when it comes dawn again, they go back down. And okay. it's very hard to find them until they get bigger and fatter. Yeah.
5: I was thinking I was going to have to pull a whole lot out and start from scratch, but uh, I'll, I'll give the
1: Mauritium a go. Yeah, give uh, that your a good uh, you know first uh, port of call, mate, and uh, see how you go with it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Scott. Okay, not a problem. Good luck with it, Bruce.
5: Okay, I'll report back, but don't do any good.
0: Okay, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, All right. Bruce. Hopefully get that sorted out. Yeah, now were you, were you like one of the kids that used to jump over the fence and raid the, the apple tree? I'm not going to say that, no. Well, actually, no. I think my neighbours had strawberries at the time, so I may have jumped the fence for strawberries. You jumped the fence for strawberries, okay. We we raided the uh, the next door neighbours uh, mulberry tree. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: I remember it was so big, it used to cover the entire backyard, and like there would be 10 kids hiding up in the tree just raiding
0: the mulberries. I didn't right. care, I don't no. think, yeah. I remember my cousins, I had like a big blueberry tree. Okay. And people used to just raid their blueberry tree, uh. which it was pretty obvious when people worked. With yeah, them. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Or might have been blackberries. Blackberries, yeah, yeah, and smeared all over their face. Yes. You know, ha-ha, there's the culprit. It was pretty obvious. Eh? Yeah. Who, who, me? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, we've got Kerry now from Fishing Point, and she's got a question about English lavender.
1: Do we have to put on English accents to uh, answer this, <laughs> Kerry?
0: <laughs> no, not in this household.
1: Oh, Greg, Greg does um, a very good James Bond impersonation. Do I? Yes. <laughs> Which one? Uh, you do Roger Moore, don't you? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How can we help you with it, Kerry?
6: Um, we have, um, English lavender planted down the sides of of the staircase to the boat shed, and we had it before, we had it for years and years, and it was stunning hedge. It finally just turned, like, so woody, no matter what we did, it went, so we replaced it all, um, and it's been about, probably about two years. Some of the plants just keep dying on one side, so one, one lovely lavender will be just beautiful on the left, and on the right-hand side of it, it'll be all like dead.
1: Mm. And I uh, don't know
6: what's causing it.
1: Yeah. So, are you getting? Uh, out, you've had them growing there before at Fishing Point. Uh, look, can you? Are they dying on the side where you get the prevailing southerly winds, for instance?
6: Um, we're on the water, yeah. um, So we face the northeast Yes. And I think they're fairly protected because they the steps down to the boat shed. Um, they're not that high um, because they're still quite young. Um, I, I, you know, like It's windy, windy at the moment, so it's hard to say. But yeah. this has been going on for about two months. I wonder whether it could be too much rain.
1: Uh, look pro- look over the last couple of months, probably not i mean we 've had some very very hot weather've I mean we 've had quite extremes really in weather haven 't we you know from that heat and yeah. then, and then down to the you know the, the rain we 've had you know in the last week or so uh, look and if it started you know a couple of months ago, it could be that you know they 've just simply dried out at some point in time because of that extremely hot weather that we had, and they just haven't managed to recover yet. Uh, look, the other thing about English lavender is, you know, typically they can be very difficult to grow here in Newcastle uh, because of the humidity that we get. they they very are susceptible to getting fungal disease. So you'd probably be wise to get, uh, you know, some sort of fungicide. Uh, you can use copper. Uh, oxychloride and give that a spray and it just works as a preventative on the plant from the fungal diseases because it, I mean, it's quite wet and humid at the moment again, you know, we get those weird afternoons where the sun comes out and it heats up again and so you do have yeah. to be careful about that. Uh, look, Actually
6: I wonder about that, I think perhaps humidity is probably one of the big things because mm. our other ones were absolutely stunning, there was a stunning hedge lining the sandstone steps um, but these ones you know, really have struggled. The top ones, so the ones more exposed to the wind, are fine. Oh. It's actually the bottom ones, closer to the boat shed itself. Um, and so, my—I should point out, I'm, I'm the gardening manager, <laughs> and my husband, the labourer. <laughs> and uh, I kept telling him I wanted these hedged, but he's insisted on keeping them in, you know, sort of a ball shape, which was very annoying. Um, but. <laughs> So, so, he's I not in wanted, trouble. Not in trouble it, is he? <laughs> oh, only daily.
1: <laughs> good man. Good man.
6: <laughs> and so, I just thought I'd ring on my way back home. I was listening to the last chap, and um, I thought I'd just ask so that I could give my husband clear instructions on um, on what that he needs to do because uh, he's um, he's quite recalcitrant at times. <laughs> about, um, <laughs> Look, obedience.
1: Well, firstly, what I'd like to say, whatever he's doing with him, he is doing the right thing. So there we go. I've completely exonerated him just there for you. (laughs) You're a man. (laughs) Um, But uh, look, uh, what you could actually do if you wanted to, uh, you could actually send us some photos on our email address and we could have a look at them for you and uh, then reply or talk about them again next week for you, if you'd like.
6: Oh, that would be fantastic because... You know, um, English lavender can be quite hard to even purchase sometimes. There seems to be more French than English Mm -hmm. Um, around. It took me probably about six months or more to be able to get the new plants ones to put in there about 18 months ago. So um, I hate seeing them. Dying. So, I will do that. Thank you. For okay. That. And look, and, um, and, that,
1: and that, that difficulty you've had purchasing them is because they typically don't do as well up here in Newcastle. If you were down in Victoria, uh, you know, or out, you know, out west, you know, the range where it's a bit drier. And that mm. humidity there. Look, you can grow them, you know, hands down very, very easily. But once here in Newcastle, uh, that's why you're finding them typically a little bit hard to buy. But we want to try and oh, keep those Patrick. once you've got alive. So yeah. Greg is now going to say our email address, so you can email me some
0: photos. It is gardening at 2 com.
2: Oh, okay, right.
6: It's nice and simple. (laughs) Simple and
0: easy. Thank you.
6: Can I quickly ask one other question if there's just time to do it? Absolutely. We have a lot of trouble with our lemon tree. Um, It's now about three years old, this one, and although it's got the most fruit it's ever had on it, um, they're really, you know, hard. Um, They're not, they're nearly ornamental rather than useful. Yes. Um, And I just, you know, my husband has been putting citrus food Mm -hmm. on them, um, is there anything else, um, I'll use the royal we, um, that, um, that we should be doing um, for for the citrus tree, be the lemon?
1: Is it in the ground or in a pot? No,
6: it's in the ground.
1: It's in the ground. Uh, look, they can yep. get rindy. Uh, so if, you know, they need a lot of moisture, especially when they're forming up the fruit, they can get rindy. Yep. And i would just keep up with the citrus uh, fertilizing because that's another reason they can be deficient in certain... Uh, in certain elements, and that can sort of make them rindy as well. Uh, and
6: how often should they be fed? Then? Yeah,
1: about three times a year.
6: Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah, so I knew not I was not just once.
1: That. And if you are worried about it, you can also get some trace elements and just start watering mm-hmm. that into the soil every month as well, if you wanted to, just to try and get get the, the proper elements in there for it.
6: Okay, that is fantastic. And that email address was gardening at two n nurcomau com dot <laughs>
0: That's .com, it. Yep. just
6: .com. Okay, look, thank you. I won't hold
0: you up. Okay, thank you very much, Kerry. We appreciate your call.
6: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks, you had a nice event then too, Kerry. Yes, and uh, look, Kerry, I, I think she knows our email address probably better than we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, once again, is gardening at 2 com. So if you want to send us any pictures or we'll ask Scott a question as well via our email address.
1: Yeah, look, and it's a fantastic way to do it because, uh, you know, sometimes it is difficult to describe things, uh, you know. And you never, get that but, visual of what. Yeah. Yeah. And it might be that, you know, I look at Kerry's you know, English lavender and go, ha-ha. That's it. You gads, um, Sherlock. <laughs> that's, that's the answer.
0: So did she say she had English lavender and French lavender together?
1: No, she said it was easier. It was more difficult to buy the English than the French. And, that, okay. and the French does do a lot better up here in Newcastle. It's not as uh, susceptible to the humidity that we I was, have.
0: I was going to say, I don't think the French and the English would grow well together. but ah, That's why they've got that big body of water oh, in between them. Historically, hate each other. Oh, but I love the French. Remember my French car? Your friend, oh yeah. Yes, my Renault it's doing
1: very, very well. Oh, I haven't asked you about that. No, the boys are working on it hard. It's going to be a beautiful green,
0: gardening green, I think I'm going to call it, and uh, I'll be putting around in it before you know it. Gardening green, it sounds hideous. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Don from Merriweather, and he's got a question about his frangipani tree. How can we help you with it, Don?
4: Good afternoon, Scott. Uh, it, actually, it's not about the tree. The tree is... Since gone because it was uh, destroying my stormwater pipes, and I still have some residual roots in the ground. Mm-hmm. Will they die, or should I treat them with uh, blackberry and tree poison?
1: Look, if, if you can get to them and drill into them, I, I would do that. but However, I'd have to say I've never heard of frangipanis, you know, sort of just suckering from the roots and, uh, you know, coming back like you know, Rabinia's or, you know, other plants like that do. So I I think you're going to be pretty safe with them there. But mate, if you are worried about it and you can see some of those roots, uh, you know, they're, they're towards the surface and you can get a drill in there and, and try and get some tree and blackberry killer in there. I'd, I'd do that just to be on the safe side. But in my experience, mate, never seen them sucker like that.
4: Fair enough. Because, uh, uh, they're, they're wandering all over the, the, the yard and in the rockery and, uh, where they shouldn't be type
1: of thing. Yeah, yeah, it must have been a bit of a brute of a tree that you had.
4: Yes, it was. <laughs> and it was there for about 40 years. Okay, so.
1: that'll do. it'll become a big tree after 40 years. It's,
4: it's now history.
1: Yeah, <laughs> poor, poor thing. Rest in peace, Frangipani. But, uh, <laughs> mate, uh, yeah, look, if you are worried about it and you can see the
0: roots, get some uh, tree and blackberry into it.
4: Okay, then. Thanks very much.
0: Okay, cheers. Thanks for that, Don. Here yeah. We've got Trish now from Bacolbert, and she's got a question about Moraya. How can we help you with them, Trish?
2: Oh, good afternoon. Um, Scott, I'm wondering if you can just give me some pointers on a Moraya, which had great sentimental value, and I moved, and the kind new incoming owner dug it out for me from the ground, and I put it in a pot until I can plant it where I would have planted. Yes. It's not been looking all that happy. It has bloomed, and it has a lot of green on it, but it also has a lot of yellow. Now, I've been just putting sea sole on it and keeping the water up to it.
1: Yeah, so sea salt will be, help build up the root system of the plant. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, has it dried out or anything? Because that's usually a sign that, uh, uh, you know, of yellowing leaves.
2: Mm, I don't think it had because I really had been very careful about keeping the water up to it since it was moved.
1: Okay, look, as long as you are getting new growth on there, I wouldn't be too concerned. Uh, sometimes morays will get uh, yellowing growth if they've got scale. I can get a very fine little sort of scale, like almost a little louse scale on the leaves. and All right, I'll check that. Out. Yeah, when you see some of those yellow leaves, sort of just turn them over and have a you know closer look at them. Get out the old magnifying glass, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, look. You don't need to be, to go to that extent, uh, but you'll see just the, like little raised bumps uh, up and down the sort of the vein of the leaf, that midsection vein of the leaf, and that can be a louse scale. that can get on there, uh, and and or the other thing you get that mireas can get. Uh, especially if they've been moved, you know, and they're a bit unhappy, a little bit stressed about the world, uh, they will. Get, if you see like a puckering or a deformity of the leaves, they can get a mite on them, and you'd need to use a miticide if that's the case. Right.
2: Okay. Miticide. I'll check that too. I think the taproot might have been damaged. Could that just be the
1: cause? Well, and look, any plant that you dig out like that, uh, it's it's going to be a little bit stressed. Uh, look, unfortunately, you can't sort of send it off to the plant psychologist or, uh, you know, give it a, a nice talking to. Uh, so, yeah, plenty of water is going to be the, the way to try
0: and cure that. righty Thank you very much, Trish. Scott, Sharp, we are out of time for another week. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, and I'll see you next Monday. With uh, bushels on.
1: Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health,